Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You are listening to Holding Down the Fort with Alejandro Soto. Sorry I'm late, people. Uh, technical difficulties. No, let me correct that. User error. I didn't set the settings right, and the first time that Regina and I sat down to record, it, it uh, recorded me twice. So we got together again this morning and hashed it out one more time and got a really good episode uh, together for you guys here today. Uh, it's going to be, uh, let's see, I'm putting this up as soon as I get this intro done. So the longer I talk, the longer it's going to take, but that's okay. Um, it's Saturday, January 27th, 2024, really feeling like we're in the future and uh, it's it's all right. It's all right here in the future. Uh, it could be better, but it could be worse. You know, I've I've had some better futures. I've had some worse futures as far as they go. This one's kind of middle of the road future. You know, nice and comfortable. Not too hot. Not too cold. A goldy future, if you want to call it that. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Before we get into the episode, uh, let's see. The next ecstatic dance is Sunday, February fourth. This will be out before that. And uh, the Deep Winter Dance is going down Saturday, December 10th, or Saturday, December, February 10th. Saturday, February 10th, Deep Winter Dance. And then in March, Friday, March 22nd, we've got Blossom Bash at the Garden. Going to be a lot of fun. So come out and uh, enjoy some good old music and dancing and wiggling and shaking and all that stuff that uh, they don't want you to do. Come do that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Anything else I need to say before we get into the show? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation I had with Regina Leffers. With Regina. <laughs> uh, I like to be full disclosure. So for the audience's information, the first time we sat down and recorded, uh, I it's safest to assume that it was user error. I have a couple theories of how I messed it up, but the audio was was unusable from our first conversation. So you're letting me come back and uh, do round two. So thanks, Regina. <laughs> <laughs> I I am really excited excited to do number two. So yeah. here we go. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, so well, let's jump right in. You wrote a book, uh, my darling, memoirs of a Buddha girl. That's the main topic, main uh, main thing we're gonna get into. So do you just want to take it away, uh, and and open up? Uh, how the book came about and what what it kind of goes through? Sure. Um, so the way it began was when I was meditating or walking by myself or just coming to the surface from sleep, I heard sentences in my head as if this were already written. And... 
And the the sentences, the topic scared me because it required me to be really honest about my father's behavior toward me when I was a little kid. And um, and so I, I shied away from it for a little while, but the sentences still came up. And my friend Judith Nastali was here one day, and she said, I'm really, I'm always really glad to hear about your healing process because every time I hear it, I heal a little bit more myself. And I just said to her, well, would it help if it were written down? And she said, yes, it would. So I felt like regardless of how scared I was to write honestly, um, I would just go ahead and do it. Because I don't think those sentences were going to be leaving me either. Mm-hmm. They just kept coming up. Mm-hmm. So what I would do, Alex, is, I'm sorry, Alejandro, <laughs> is that I would sit down at the computer and if this, the words were there, I would write. And sort of like take dictation, mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. That, that was the feeling. And if the words weren't there, I would get up and do something else. So the entire book was written um, in that way. If the words were there, I wrote. And I do feel like it was beneficial for me to write. And I think it was beneficial for it will be beneficial for anybody who wants to read it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely you. You, yeah, just wrote honestly about your experience, and that's the kind of stuff that I connect with most. Like, I and and I think young people have, and this has to do with like just cultural things so maybe it's not uh, this is a blanket statement but it seems like young people have a real these days have a real good ability to discern like when what's honest from like what's not like like whether or not that uh that is utilized <laughs> i don't know um but like just because we've like been dished so much information like through the internet and like have had to take everything worth a grain of salt like i think young people are more skeptical these days and i so i think that when something is like honestly written it like stands out and yeah your your book definitely stood out as an honest piece of writing uh, which is always a breath of fresh air. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, so another difference from the first time. We never talked about that the mm-hmm. first time. And so maybe we never talked about anything I was afraid to talk about. 
<laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, even even openly admitting that that my father was not good to me. Um, in fact, he was brutal. Um, and it wasn't. I I want to say too that he was also diagnosed as par- paranoid schizophrenic. And that that was um, mm-hmm. that happened when I was about in fifth grade. He was oh, diagnosed okay. and put on. Uh, he took medi- medicine then, um, but he would stop taking the medicine periodically, mm-hmm. and then would go right back into very brutal behavior. He didn't mm-hmm. behave that way toward all of the kids. Mm-hmm. So um, although. Since I wrote this book, and um, I think some of my siblings read it, not all of them, but some of them did, and um, they they said they the ones who did told me that the same thing happened to them. So it was um, it made all of us the ones who this happened to feel like we were the only ones Mm. Hmm. because they were unaware that it happened to me as well. Mm. So it's, it has been, I think, healing or a beginning of healing Mm -hmm. in my own family. Mm. Um, And according to Judith, it helps other people heal as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I agree with that and it's it's interesting how the more I listen to people and the more people are like sharing their stories like y- what you experienced is unfortunately a lot more common than uh, pretty much everybody thinks maybe from like a set aside like social workers and police officers and firefighters who are like getting those who are answering those domestic violence calls. Um, but there is as well to that experience, uh, as you said, an isolating aspect to it a lot of the time. So to step forward and, or maybe just like be open to those thoughts or just or the words that were arising in your brain when you were in meditation or waking up in the morning or in the afternoon if you had a really good nap <laughs> like and, and being open to that is allowing for your healing and then like the healing of others at least in like easing their feelings of isolation and loneliness that were created by that experience. That's a really good thing to to um, to think about. That I, I it's not something that occurred to me before. Mm. That people who read this um, would not feel isolated and lonely by their own experience anymore. Because it's happened to other people. Yeah, that didn't mm-hmm. occur to me. 
Hmm. So, that's yeah, that's always been like the big thing for me with music is like when when I felt like, oh, I'm the only one that feels this way and someone sings some words or like plays a melody that echoes that feeling it like was like oh even if the person was dead <laughs> like listening to like john lennon yeah. while I, oh, yes. I was walking home from high school in my chuck taylor's in the snow <laughs> listening to <laughs> angsty john lennon scream yeah. scream into a microphone i felt little angsty me felt like okay at least that dead guy that felt like this before he kicked the bucket and like that helped me soldier on and get get home when I should have worn better shoes. Um, and so that's that's always been like pretty pretty obvious to me almost as like one of the big values of art, at least in the way that I take it in and have experienced it, is that like, okay, this is something that like transcends time and physical space so that we can connect with other humans and i think you did that with the book which is really cool i mean it's like another one of those signs that okay yeah this is a good one (laughs) yeah yeah and so did it always feel like you were doing that like dictation thing or was it there any time that you had to like sit down and like get the work done or was it like just a uh, an easy f- smooth flowing thing it was an easy smooth flowing thing hmm. that, uh, which it surprised me because I've written a number of books um, through the years and I, I'm 75 years old and there's there's been a lot of that in my history hmm. and and a lot of sitting down and getting the work done and this is the first thing I've written that really was not work. Hmm. It was simply listening to what was being spoken and writing it down. Um, one of my friends, I think you know her, Ellen Sauer? Mm-mm. No? Well, um, she read the whole book through and gave me a couple of edits that she would do, and um, that's it. So it didn't Mm. even require rewriting, which every book I've ever written, normally I would write about five times more Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. (laughs) is required, and the editing was then to, to pull out um, everything that wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and this one just simply is printed as it came out, hmm. nearly. Why do you think that is? It, oh, that's a really good question, and I'm going to answer it, even though this one scares me a little bit, too. And it's probably because, um, no, I'm not going to say why I'm scared. I'm <laughs> going to say that I'm scared speaking about this because I don't know how many of us experience um, 
experience life from the witness perspective, understanding that we are we are bodies walking around, mm-hmm. and that um, at the end that uh, a lot of it is personal. Mm-hmm. And if we take one step back, uh, not back exactly, it might feel that way, but one step into a larger part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, that w- and it's that part that actually can witness life, um, can witness someone saying something to us that um, doesn't feel good and and simply understand that that person is speaking from their personal experience and self and that it really has nothing to do with us. It that is the the bigger part of us mm-hmm. that we can step back into. I know you and I both meditate, and I've meditated every day um, with a couple of exceptions for 45 years. And that practice has developed um, this witness aspect of myself. Mm-hmm. You, you have felt that. You feel that. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, and it's, if we look at life today, we see a lot of, of volleying back and forth with um, with the idea that somebody else's perspective is simply wrong mm-hmm. or mm-hmm worse than wrong Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a lot of turning the other person into an enemy because they hold a different perspective Mm -hmm. and um, and there's not a lot of curiosity about why uh, which would be really valuable to know and there's there's not a lot of of um the feeling that I really want to know why. Mm-hmm. Instead, we the, there's a lot of just cutting the other person off, throwing them away in the sense that, well, they 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 have a perspective that is so awful that they're just not not even worthy of my attention. Or listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of that, mm-hmm. and it's it, mostly it's political right now, um, and mostly it's um, it it's hard to see that there's any bridge that's even possible. Do you feel that, Alejandro? I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And so. So, being able to develop through meditation or by whatever means you can, 
the ability to step back into a larger aspect of self that can witness the world and understand, because the witness, the larger self, does understand that that person is simply speaking from his own experience and it is not personal to us at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does that communicate? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of something that Ram Das said. He talked about living on two planes of consciousness simultaneously or uh, at least two. He said start with two. Um, and I haven't gotten past two. I think it was like 2018, 2019. I like heard him talk about that in a couple lectures. Like, like listening to Ram Dass lectures has been really wild because like, you know, they were all recorded in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. And like I've been digging into him for like eight or nine years now. And it's wild how like... There seems to be like a flow, like to what the like what stands out to me, or like what the YouTube algorithm is delivering to me. Because like at certain times, I will hear certain topics, like certain speaking points, in like different lectures, and then it'll be like a year or two, and I like like I haven't heard him talk about this like multiple planes of consciousness thing in listening to his lectures in like a couple of years, but it was like living on like the, in the head consciousness and the heart consciousness yeah. simultaneously. And yeah. I think that is like stepping into that broader or at least a more expansive and vast state of being. And like, I think what, before I started working on that, at Ram Dass's uh, calling and behest from 1973, <laughs> I, I, it was like bouncing back and forth between the two. And sometimes like, pa -pa 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 -pa, like rapid, like fire. Yeah. Like I might've thought I was like in the head and heart simultaneously, but it was like just flipping back and forth. And so it was, it's like creating like in, Eternal, like spiritual emotional whiplash is like what <laughs> most of us are just living with and i think that like and and it's stressful <laughs> like it's not a it's like gets you into the i think it's the sympathetic nervous system is the like fight flight system it's like the parasympathetic is the like rest digest like sleep mode the good one that like we want to be in but barely ever are in modern society but like to be able to hold like hold multiple things at once like you were talking about like when someone says something like like that you don't like i mean i'll, I'll quote ram das again because i'm still working on this but it's like i remember him saying you know when someone speaks good of you take it with ah so when someone speaks bad of you take it with ah so you know when when you get a, when you win a million dollars ah so you lose it all and go bankrupt. Ah, so like that, that ability that I still have much work to do on attaining, <laughs> I think starts with that ability to hold like both 
sides of the duality that we experience being in the meat suit like to be able to see both of those things to be able to see like okay this person is different from me and holds different ideas about what should be done with our tax dollars um, or like whatever politics are about i don't know <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it's really about i'm honest um, i don't know if anyone does these days um, but like to be able to see okay we have different ideas about what should be done with our tax dollars but i bet we both like something similar maybe we like the same sports team or or like uh we have the same favorite food and so we like to be able to hold that idea and like that awareness when engaging with a person that has different ideas or like is presenting themselves in the world in a way that confuses us <laughs> to be able to remember wait they're a human too and they eat sleep and poop just like me so maybe like i should let like give them some slack and like not give myself like not put myself up on such a high horse at least that's what younger me uh, needed to hear <laughs> um but is that kind of what you're talking about like that that Oh, widening. It's a perfect restatement. Exactly. Yes, that widening is the when the head and heart think together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. So is that like where what state you were in while writing the book? Then? That's that... that's it. Yeah, hmm. it all came from that larger, the larger mind that includes both head and heart. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Cool. It really, it was, it's, it's an experience that um, has been a high point in my entire life. The experience right. of writing that book, it, my darling, it, during the writing, I was being called my darling by the voice that I listened to and wrote and I was conscious that that um, I was also calling every reader, my darling, as they read it, as they will read it, or mm -hmm. when they mm -hmm. read it. Yeah. So it was it was an ecstatic experience to write from that space. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Huh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, so now that it's like written, what's what's the experience of like the book and of the subject matter to you now? Cuz so so as I see it there's and as I took it there are two kind of like large or large storylines that stick out. There's the experiences in your childhood with being abused by your father. And then there's the experience of going to 40 years, 40 days, 40 years. 40 years. <laughs> Jesus was 40 days. <laughs> That's a good fast of uh, 40 years of Zen where you did the work to, 
uh, like heal the injury in your brain. Yes. That was blocking the alpha waves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now, and maybe before you answer this question, you can talk about those those two things in the book. But I'm wondering now that the book is written and you've gone through this process of being in that head and heart space and digesting these experiences you've had in your life. Like what's, what are those things to you now? Okay. So the other, the other main thing in this book is is that I I also feel love in every cell of my body. Okay, yeah, that's pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's it's really what it's it's really what has given me the courage to actually to speak the truth. You know, mm -hmm. I I don't think I would have been able to go backwards in time and go through. Um, those things again mm -hmm. and and the other thing is that I worked with a hypnotist mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. of something that came to me in meditation in meditation I saw I was shown like like a mini movie that if I would go into the experience one of the dominant experiences that set um set my own take on who who I am and what my self-worth was. Um, if I would go into the experience with a hypnotist, that I would be able to turn it around, like inside out, and take away something completely different. Mm -hmm. um, in essence, be able to understand in the moment of that childhood experience that what my dad did had nothing to do with me, that it was about him and his, um, his take on who he was and about his illness too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so I could come out of the experience with, with that understanding and change my takeaway. It no longer affected my self-worth. So it was a really, it was really key um, to get that vision and meditation and then to act on it. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Because, yeah, I was working, your work with the hypnotist that, kind of started you on the path to like go out to 40 years of Zen, right? Well, actually right? 40 years of Zen came first. Oh, okay. So I went there. Oh, okay. okay I went yeah. there about um, maybe seven, eight years ago. Okay. And I went because I was unable to forgive my father. Uh, even though I meditated mm -hmm. every day, <laughs> And even though I've journaled about it a zillion times, and even though I've I've worked on it so hard that I came to a place a million times where I felt like I reached forgiveness, 
even though all of that, I was unable to, to forgive dad in a way that really stuck. The mm-hmm. pain would always come back up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and resurface. And so because of that, I booked myself into 40 years of Zen, which is working with a neuroscientist in biofeedback for an entire week. They are out in Seattle. And so I wanted to find out why, with all of the background in meditation and deep work that I've done, why couldn't I forgive my father? And they did a mind map of my brain on the first day and discovered that I had an injury in my prefrontal cortex, right side, that had fingers that extended into all parts of my brain. And Alejandro, that prevented, that injury prevented an alpha brainwave from even occurring in my brain. So all the other brains were, uh, all the other brain waves were intact. Um, the one we function from the most is beta. Then then there's, at different frequencies, there's alpha, theta, delta is sleep, and gamma. And all of those brainwaves were intact, but not alpha. Hmm. And here's the, here's the twist. Alpha is the only brainwave in which forgiveness and gratitude happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was working with a brain that could not achieve forgiveness or gratitude during that time. So then then Mm -hmm. the neuroscientist um, put together a, a, a computer program for me to work with every morning. And I was set up with EEG stuff all over my head, mm-hmm. sticky stuff, and <laughs> wires. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, oh, they were able to <laughs> attach, and um, earphones, and you know that that kind of thing. I was asked that then on a computer screen was my brain, and the injured parts were all in red, shown in red. And I was instructed to just watch the computer screen. That's all. I didn't, I was not to do anything but observe. And I watched my brain do the task of turning red area to green. And then it would get a very, my my brain would get a very brief moment of sublime music. I watched my brain work for that music. And all all week, it the task was set harder and harder. And every day, my brain worked to turn red to green so that it could have that music. And by the end, it was completely healed. Hmm. So the the um, my brain 
was able to start um, producing alpha brainwaves. We also, at 40 years of Zen, you're in a pod for an hour and a half to two hours in the morning and afternoon as well. Mm-hmm. In addition to the work that that I was doing with the computer first each day, then it followed with a couple of hours of meditation and biofeedback session in these pods. Okay, and after the session, we could come out and and see on a computer screen what brain waves had been produced during the session. The biofeedback was set for alpha because they wanted to stimulate forgiveness and gratitude mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and enhance that in our lives. So I was able to see every day, um, the first day, there was no alpha showing up at all. But every session, there was a little more and more alpha. By the end of the week, my brain was producing alpha brainwave. Hmm. So, um, and since then, yes, I uh, forgiveness has been complete. Um, hmm. Gratitude has been so complete for life as it's been given to me so far. It's been so complete, that gratitude, that I'm grateful for everything that happened because it all produced the life I live now, which is feeling love in every cell of my body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that's not, that's not a small thing. (laughs) It's pretty, um... It means that my life, the way I live my life now, I feel um, an ecstatic experience just being alive a Mm. lot. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. That is a big part of it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the other thing I really want to say is that I've thought, Uh and I, I don't think we talked about this last time, but we might have. I, I realized that when people read My Darling, it's an intimate experience. And it takes a person into their own honesty about their own lives. Mm-hmm. And um, And that intimate experience is not something that makes them want to share it on Facebook mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. social media or any place, really, because it becomes an intimate relationship. And so this podcast helps people get, <laughs> know that it's, that it's out there mm-hmm. and available. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, they're probably not going to know any other way. <laughs> that is me. one of my goals with the show is to kind of, I mean, just create a platform for my friends to talk about their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go for it. And, and I, I, yeah, well, thank you for also giving me the opportunity to do that. It's pretty, pretty sweet. Because um, yeah, it is. Like, like we did talk about that a little bit last time, but 
I you said something that struck me anew just now about like the honesty aspect, like the aspect of you honestly writing and expressing yourself and telling your story like cultivates that intimate feeling and then that like and I think you said this it like opens a person up to their own like be honest with their own self like oh this person like she's able to write an entire book about this these experiences in her life well then at least I can like well I can probably look at mine like the stuff I've been sweeping under the rug like and I think that's a super valuable thing like just showing that I mean yeah you're 75 years down the path and you're doing pretty good um and so that's a, a good thing to see as a person who's 29 years down the path and like has a lot of has done a lot of work, has a lot yet to do and uh, wants to keep on trucking. Like, yeah, it's, it's good to hear that and to have like, I mean, in Buddhism, it's the, those who are further along the path are, it's like, those are one of the groups of people that you pay homage to, or like the teachers and those who are further along and like, to, to me in this moment and in this context you are definitely one of those people who's further along the path and are like holding a candle way up there like you, you follow the candle <laughs> it, might get, it might get dark in that cave sometimes but don't worry <laughs> like you can find your way out you got yourself in you can find your way out <laughs> and, and so I think that's really good um and it's going to be of like great value to people who do check out the book, which I recommend. It, I did read it. It is very good. Um, so, yeah, thank you for giving me a copy, by the way. That was very nice, very kind of you. <laughs> thank you, Alejandro. Mm -hmm. I, I just I want to get back to the um, alpha brainwave level, mm -hmm. if we can, mm -hmm. for just yeah. a minute, because if... There are people who listen to this who realize that they have a hard time forgiving and um, and maybe have a hard time feeling grateful. It, it, it does, let's see, require a person to be honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and it took me a lot of years to be honest with myself. So... So if if a person who's 29 or 20 or whatever age um, can can really look deeply and figure out if they're able to forgive mm -hmm. for real, like to never feel that pain again, that's forgiving for real. Um, there's a way that you can start to develop your alpha brainwave level. And it can be as simple as listening to biurnal beats. You have to wear headphones or earbuds to listen to the biurnal beats. But there are biurnal beats that are tuned to alpha brainwave level and will help you develop mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to make sure that people know that if, 
if they realize they're not able to feel forgiveness and they want to develop that, there's a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's pretty easily accept- accessible. Oh, yeah. They're all over YouTube yeah. and Spotify. I've got like a 14-hour playlist of like Solfeggio frequency tracks. It's just called Solfeggio Sleep. Uh-huh. It's like my uh, sleeping playlist. I don't play it as much anymore, but it's got like some of those, yeah, like binaural beats and stuff like that like just a lot of soul tibetan singing bowls and rain sounds uh but yeah yeah that's i was wondering if there's like anything that people listening who don't have the access or means to go to seattle for a week with a neuroscientist or uh, if there's anything they can do and i mean i'm sh- anybody listening to this is listening to, on some type of technological device connected to the internet so they can get on youtube and check some of that stuff out yeah, yeah there's like eight hour videos of of yeah binaural beats alpha waves gamma all all the different ones that you mentioned earlier so yeah yeah if anybody has not heard of this stuff it's out there just a, a couple of clicks away um but i i think like also a part of that is that like a lot of it is on you, right? Like, yeah, there are tools out there and there's people that can help you. And like, we definitely need people who can help us. But like, there's like, you, you had, you did it. You did that. You were like, okay. what, what, like, yeah. What about yeah. that aspect of it? Yeah, so that's a really good thing to bring up because what lots of us don't realize is that um, if we refuse to forgive, um, that hurts us. Mm-hmm. It, it it it's it creates problems internally. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. it shuts doors inside of us that otherwise could be opened. But um, forgiving someone else. Somebody said to me, what if they're already dead? Um, Is it still something I should forgive? And yes, um, because just like when someone else says something um, hurtful toward us, that doesn't really have anything to do with us. That's coming from their own, the workings of the electricity in their brains. And it's their, their projection or their piece of life. But it doesn't have anything to do with us. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness, for us to forgive someone else, um, that also has nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It simply cleans up, um, uh, you know, a dirty spot inside of us. Mm-hmm. It's something that mm-hmm. causes us pain. And when we really forgive, that pain goes. It's no mm-hmm. longer there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like wiping a smudge off the window and then like the light can get in. Yeah. 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 yeah into your brain yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly yeah yeah but yeah i I was thinking about that too of how like 
yeah, forgiveness is something you do for yourself. Like, and, and it, it can be a like totally internal thing. And, and like what you were saying about forgiving a dead person made like brought back to mind how I connect with the music of dead people. Like, and, and how many of like, we still listen to Mozart and Bach, like the words of Shakespeare are still performed. Like it's pretty clear that like human consciousness is not, or is able to extend beyond the confines of our meat suit. Like, and so why is it not possible to like from the meat suit extend our consciousness, like, past those like temporal and physical boundaries to clean up the windows of our mind like make yeah that makes sense to me at least yeah to me too okay good (laughs) (laughs) glad i'm not loco (laughs) that's really cool and it, it blows my mind that like so it was the right brain that had that injury but that's like the creativity side of the brain and like you paint you've written all these books like clearly like you had like your creativity wasn't disabled like maybe hindered to like maybe there were some roadblocks or like some hurdles that you had to work around but like you didn't not create like you still were like paint like i mean there's like evidence of that within eyeshot like Im- like in every direction <laughs> from where i'm sitting and so like yeah what what yeah what what about that so this is i i think what i figured out is that my practice of daily meditation well, what I found out at 40 years of Zen, mm-hmm. at the the very last meditation session, biofeedback session, they asked me if I wanted to, to have biofeedback on alpha or on one of the other brainwaves. And I decided to um, ask for feedback, biofeedback on gamma because I wanted to see if meditation had developed that um, more deeply in me. It's the deepest possible that we know of. And um, it the biofeedback would also tell me if the right and left side of the brain were talking to each other and working together, okay? Mm-hmm. And what I discovered, so if the right, when the the two sides of the brain were speaking to each other, there would be a bong sound, bong, you know. Mm-hmm. And when, when gamma ray waves were present in my brain, there would be a wave sound. Mm-hmm. What I discovered is that the, the bong sign, sound was continuous. It was just bong, 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 bong. My, the two sides of my brain worked together constantly. And, and I also heard constant waves. 
So the gamma brainwave is very developed in my brain. And what I think, so, so I went, once that session was done and, and we looked at the computer screen and I asked the others, how, how was the, the communication between the right and left side of the brain? Mm -hmm. And they had rare instances of that bong sound. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was true of the gamma waves, waves too. So I'm, I'm thinking that, that um, the practice of daily meditation developed skills in my brain that allowed me to function like a normal person. Um, when I got there and they, t they found the injury, they expected me to have no short-term memory and no ability to focus. So I think mm -hmm. that the meditation practice helped me function more normally in both of those, mm -hmm. um, because of both of those. That's, that's awesome. So um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And before I do, I just want to say that I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> um, so don't trust a word I say. But there's with young people there's so much like add adhd stuff going on like kids can't focus uh so they're getting put on ritalin and whatever the focus drug is nowadays um that that gets a, whatever amphetamine whatever meth derivative that is being pushed by big pharma and i I have for like, since I, I, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not my thing. I decided like a long time ago, like I didn't want to get involved in like the Western medicine game. Like it's expensive. I'm an artsy creative fucker. I'm, I don't got a lot of money, <laughs> like, definitely <laughs> not money to blow on pills or health insurance. So I was like, well, I want to figure out how to do this on my own. And whether like I got into like, I mean, I got into yoga cause I hurt my back. Um, I got into meditation cause it was like, well, that's just what you do at the end of yoga, <laughs> at the end of a yoga class. But like now I, it, I think it was like about almost a decade ago that I like, yeah, injured my back being dumb at a bouncy house so again don't listen to a word i say people i'm an idiot um but like now almost a decade later of doing a yoga practice and like maybe five years of like a a more serious air quote serious meditation practice like without having a prescription for adhd medication my focus is like monumentally better than it was when i was like in high school um, I mean, I'm also like doing things that I'm interested in. So I think that's a big part of it. Like, but I think like, I mean, what I'm hearing you say is that through a regular meditation practice, in spite of a like legitimate physical brain injury, you've been able to live a life of that's based on thing on activities that require 
pretty intense and prolonged focus. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. And, and you weren't taking Ritalin or whatever amphetamines were. And then like also no judgment on people who like need those things. Like I, I, I'm much less hardlined about that. Like if people need medication to like get through whatever they're going through and it's benefiting them, then it's benefiting them. And that's great. But like, I, I think a lot of, a lot of times people are, are, uh, taping their crutches to their arms and thinking that they're getting around real well and really they've duct taped crutches to their arms um and and they're being sold them they're they're on a subscription purchase for these taped arm crutches from her big pharma and it, it angers me um but that's not the rant i, I want to <laughs> but the but so but you weren't taking and maybe you were you taking any like focus medications like did you ever do that thing in, no. in your life no but this happened so long ago i i was 19 when, mm -hmm. when the injury happened mm -hmm. and and so i started meditating when i was 31 years okay. old the year that i turned 31 mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, there's, um, I knew that, that my short-term memory wasn't the greatest. I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I had to, um, work hard to make myself focus. And I didn't know why. But, um... I also, it was so long ago, um, there was no, no talk. No, I had no idea that there were drugs that would help, <laughs> if, uh -huh. if, uh -huh. if it even would have. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's the meditation that made a difference almost immediately. Mm -hmm. So I, I noticed during my 20s, I didn't, that's when I had little kids and and I didn't um, start to recognize memory issues until I started college, which was um, when I turned 30. I enrolled okay. in college for mm. for the first time. And mm. that's when I, I started to notice that um, and and also focus was required. Mm -hmm. and uh and the meditation is what i noticed helped hmm. Hmm. that's cool yeah when was the first time you meditated do you remember yes i went to a so back in the day <laughs> <laughs> um the there was something called the transformational center and it was on broadway upstairs mm -hmm. directly across the street from where the food co-op was at that mm. time okay yeah yeah you you know where i that... don't know where that is but i i have heard stories of back in the day back when the in the was day on broadway <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah the transformational center i a friend invited me to a meditation class and cool so i went and it it was the first time I was introduced to meditation and just, um, I liked it. I liked it. It made mm. me feel 
calm. And I'm a person like you who has just a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) And um, meditation, one of the things I noticed is that meditation helped me uh, not harness that energy, but more keep it on a path to the things that I was interested in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, put some reins on that bucking horse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's really neat. Can I tell you about the first time I met? Yeah, I want to so know. Whole, I want to know. This is one of my favorite stories. So I was in a band in high school. Uh, we were called Yet to Be Mute. You can still find a couple of our songs on YouTube. Um, and we had this fellow, friend of the band. He was like our first manager. He like started booking us. He was like the first guy that started booking us shows. Uh, Sam. Is this crazy ginger-headed guy from Wisconsin, from Homeland, Wisconsin? <laughs> and we had band practice one day. We were practicing in our drummer's basement, no windows. It was like so we it, we would lose track of time in there. It was not healthy. Um, but one day we were, we got together for practice, and Sam comes downstairs we're like, "Okay, guys, today before practice, we're gonna meditate," and we're all like. Um, Okay, sure. Like <laughs> Sam's not gonna let up on this until we all sit in a circle and meditate. By this time, we figured out it was just easier to go along with what he said. <laughs> this one, we could. We were like, "Well, this isn't gonna do any harm." So he has a sit down in a circle. He turns the lights off so it gets completely pitch dark, and he puts on Stairway to Heaven. And we <laughs> sat down in a circle, me and my band, and we listened to Stairway to Heaven and complete darkness until it ended and then we had band practice and like i don't even i honestly don't remember the practice the band practice if we like jammed if it was good or or if we sucked but me and my drummer both had these crazy visualization like like mental hallucination type experiences like me of being a bird like an eagle flying on the plains like across the plains of north america of like the great west and like sailing over mountains while all while stairway to heaven is playing you know imagine led zeppelin in your head here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like he had the the experience of being a fish swimming underwater and being in the ocean and I don't think I meditated for like several years after that. It was the only time we ever did that. And Sam was so gung ho. He's like, we're going to meditate before every practice. It's going to get us into the mindset together. Then we're going to make music. <laughs> it's the only time we ever did it. But I remember that clearly was the first time. What a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So shout out to Sam Thompson, uh, ginger guy from Homeland, Wisconsin. Uh, (laughs) He was crazy. That dude is cool. (laughs) But that's, I mean, it's so, so neat to hear that, like, yeah, like, you, you were able to, like, I mean, get the reins on the horse by something that was like endogenous. You, you like, you went inside to find the thing that you needed to, I don't know about cope, 
but like to carry on in spite of the roadblocks that were set in front of you. That's a great way to say it. It really is. And like so many people are reaching externally. Um, what's what's the other word there? Is it? It's not. There's endogenous and then like ex and I don't know the other word. I'm not a scientist. Like I said, I don't know nothing about nothing. But like so many people, and I'm guilty of this uh, very often, like reach externally for things. Pick to... up your phone and turn on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. I was watching Seth Meyers talk about Donald Trump before yeah. I came over here. I knew while I was like, and, and it's this thing. So in my, in the practice of Buddhism, there's this thing like the practice of renunciation, which I don't like. I'll be honest, I, but I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it because I can see the value in it. But like in one of the sutras, there's this thing about like, if you can't like renounce and abstain from doing the things that bring you harm. And then it like goes through like, okay, well, if you can't stop from doing it, just like, at least like while you were doing the harmful thing, renounce that action. While you were watching yourself do this thing that you know is gonna continue your suffering, renounce the action while you were doing the, or like before you do the action, while you're doing the action, and after you do the action, renounce it. And understand that it is going to bring about your suffering. And like, I'm now noticing while I turn, and I like, I laugh. It's jovial. It's fun. It entertains me. But like, while I'm clicking through on YouTube and I could see, okay, there's music that I want to listen to that'll put me in a good headspace. And I watch myself click over to Seth Meyers talk about Donald Trump and whatever bullshit he's doing in, what, uh, in, the, in the world he lives in. <laughs> like, while I'm watching it, I'm renouncing it. I know that this is going to continue my suffering. And then I get up and, and the video ends. And I'm like, well, I know I just... I know I just wasted 10 minutes that I could have spent like, and I still got here on time. Like it's not creating a monumental amount of suffering, but there's a little bit of suffering there. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in the meta and like meditating has helped me to like have some awareness on, on that thing of like reaching externally for something to like pacify the mind or like give me a laugh or like i don't know distract me from something for a minute or and 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 and, and this is a very like low level low lying example of like you know watching late night <laughs> late night uh late night seth meyer's joke about the political scene that is so easy to joke about um but like it's so cool to hear you talk about the experience of going in like finding the internal tools to like just get through it out here right like it's a wild wild time we find ourselves in and like to maintain gratitude while holding that perspective we got it really good but like also there's a lot to of work to do um, and like in the, so in the gratitude thing, like a big issue we have in the States right now is like the drug epidemic, like people like on the streets, like addicted to opiates and like the fentanyl is a big issue. Uh, there's a 
newer one called Trank that is like causing people people's limbs to fall off. It's like a oh my big God. problem in Philadelphia. It causes like a vi it like creates uh conditions in a person's body, like when they inject it, that it like creates perfect conditions for a flesh eating virus to start growing, developing. And like, it's pretty much like the only way to treat that condition is amputation. Like, and most of the people on the streets who are addicted to drugs are unable to afford that type of medical care. It's like 40 grand to get a limb hacked off (laughs) and not bleed out. (laughs) And so thinking about what you're talking about with the brain waves that were absent from your mind like i wonder how many people are walking around and like so many of these people pretty much all of them have had traumatic experiences occur whether that led them into the terrible situations they find themselves in or not many times they have like trauma in their history and so like hearing you talk about the brain waves that prevented you from feeling like gratitude or like, you know, love for yourself. Like, like if I wonder if, you know, if someone could experience, you know, could spend a week working on their brain to create these new brain waves, would they then be as likely to go searching for illegal drugs or legal drugs to dull the pain that they are experiencing on a very regular basis, be it physical or emotional. Like, and so <laughs> I like, I hope that maybe if someone out there connects and, and like, or like hears this and is going through that or like knows someone going through that, like there's something that you can do that doesn't cost 40 grand that might you know, might not cure. I'm not, I don't know nothing about nothing. This is not medical advice, but like I'm talking to someone who's sitting right in front of me who is 75 years old and went through this rough experience early in life and through sitting down and shutting up and it's a lot meditation's a lot more than that (laughs) through sitting down and just like observing your breath you're you're creating you're you're fostering an environment for your brain to function more healthily like almost it's like almost it's like a real hardcore like rebellion like you're like doing like the silent warrior fight out here like and so i guess what got me on this was like that gratitude mindset like to but also what we were talking about earlier of holding both sides of the duality like there's like we have it really good but there's a lot of work to do and so in the name of gratitude, thank you for sharing your story. And like, I hope someone hears then, then my hope is that someone hears this and can like connect with that. And maybe they're, you know, they're 29, 30 and are realizing (laughs) maybe I'm 29 going on 30 and realizing that I got like, I want to develop my focus and like, I don't have health insurance 
but I do have 10, 15, 20 minutes in the morning that I can sit down and just focus on my breath and turn the rest of it off. And that's valuable. That's right? valuable. It is. It is. Oh, good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do, I do that somewhat regularly. And uh, if, regularly. if somebody needs guidance, there are YouTube. All, all you have to do is, is type in meditation. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are 7 billion <laughs> YouTube videos that mm-hmm. would show you how to meditate, lead you through mm-hmm. a meditation. Um, they could go to my website too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is just reginaleffers.com. And there's a meditation for download there. So mm-hmm. if, if somebody needs something, some guidance, it's, it's one way to begin. Mm-hmm. It helped me when I began. I, I went to the class, and it was a guided meditation. And so it helped me to listen to guided meditations Mm-hmm. Until my own larger self took over the guidance mm-hmm. and began mm-hmm. leading me mm-hmm. through meditation. Yeah, because at first, at least for me, the idea of sitting down for 20 minutes in complete silence, pardon my French, fucking terrified me. <laughs> <laughs> like, after five minutes, my legs start hurting. Like, and even still, sometimes it terrifies me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, yeah, like I'll, I'll put a link to that uh, meditation that is on your website down in the show notes so people can access that. Um, so, yeah, thank you for for bringing that up and, and offering that to people yeah. and, and and bringing up like the value of a teacher like and and I and, and I just want to say like to anyone listening teachers are way closer than you think yeah. like like especially here in fort wayne <laughs> like uh just come into the health food shop like That's chances right. are if you stop into the health food shop it maybe not on like a thursday afternoon at 2 45 it's really dead but like <laughs> Honestly, but maybe that's the time to stop in because chances are the only other person in there will be a person who has something that you want to know about that you need. Like, in in that, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, like about the health food shop on North Anthony, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, If anyone has listened, they know what I'm talking about. Okay. (laughs) But a friend of mine, I was talking to her about like. <laughs> I uh, a te- one of my teachers gave me the the funny line that she's been throwing at people in her life that are close to her. The line is, "Investigate your life, please. Investigate your life. <laughs> you need to do this. Investigate your life." And so I started. I I threw it at a friend of mine a couple times. The first time, she fired back, which I shot down. And then the second time, when I said to her, "Burl." investigate your life do it she thought for a moment and said how do you do that and i thought for a moment so that's a good question and my response was gotta find a teacher my answer was ask somebody else (laughs) because i don't know nothing about nothing um (laughs) but yeah i'm glad that you brought that up the value of 
like finding someone who has done the work and has walked the path to like show you okay this is how you can do it and like these are some of the tools that you have at your disposal and then one and like this is how you use them and then once you get that under your belt go do it for yourself (laughs) like like do the do your own work but like I don't know if you you have a whole like you give a toddler a fully loaded toolbox it's going to hurt itself <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's why you give a baby plastic toys like toy plastic tools toy tools um but like yeah that's that's important and so that link to that um meditation that you're talking about will be in the description uh below for people to check out yeah yeah that's really good yeah, the value of the teachers. Oh, that's I, I'm really grateful for the people I've had. And, and you're one of those people. Uh, the Greenwell Sangha. Uh, Judith is one of those people. Like John and Beth Beams are, are, are two big people like two that helped like establish my meditation practice. Like the Greenwell Sangha is where I cut my teeth where we sat and meditated for 20 minutes and I wouldn't have and like just doing that once a month with a group of people like was so valuable for me like I maybe I didn't do it that much outside of that but having like that experience and to know that okay yeah my legs will fall asleep but I can get through it and I've had other teachers, like, when I wanted to tap out, be like, okay, Alejandra, if you want to tap out, you can tap out now. I'm like, uh, no, no, I'm not going to tap out. No, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> like, just like, you know, who, and that's one of the valuable things about the teachers, too, that doesn't come from a YouTube video is, like, they know, they get to know you and can deliver what you need when you need it and so like yeah there's a lot of good stuff on youtube but like the value of being able to sit down with someone like even just like this right here the value of sitting down with someone and having a real conversation is immeasurable like go out and do that like not that anyone's asking for my advice in this realm but like the best thing i've done is gone out and talked to people who know more about this stuff than I do. In fact, the Greenwell Sangha is where I met you mm-hmm, mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at, we're at over an hour. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, is uh, Where can people find you? You mentioned your website. Yeah, they so my darling... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the book. The book is available on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. And you can get to it through my website, too, ReginaLeffers.com. Um, if anybody can't afford it, um, I would be happy to get a copy to them. So just, you can touch base through my website. So, Perfect. And I'll be happy to get a copy to him. Is there like a contact page on there? There is. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's that's very friendly, very kind of you. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check out this book. It's very 
very good. It's an easy read. Um, I I got through it in like a night, like in two sittings, um, and I'm not what you would call an avid reader. Uh, I, I'm a gab guy. I'm not a bookworm. So is <laughs> <laughs> uh, from, as can be seen from my chosen uh, method of creative uh, expression in the podcast. So yeah, links to your website and to that meditation uh, will be in the show notes below. Uh, anything else you want to put in before we wrap it up? You're a treasure. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks yeah. for being on the show. Like yeah. this is this is what it's all about. Like, yeah, I it's before we recorded, we were talking about like so this was this was take 2 and um like this is the first time that I haven't gotten the episode up on the every other Tuesday. And so it has like re i've re if not, i don't know about reevaluated but have come up against the commitment i made to release an episode every other tuesday that coming up against my commitment to put something out that i i feel good about and i know is worth putting out and that like does the guest on my show justice so uh as i'm sure everyone has been waiting with bated breath since this past Tuesday, uh, I was waiting to do it right and uh, make sure that it was good. So it's neat how like uh, our our values and our or maybe not values, but priorities and like commitments uh, change as we change. Um, I mean, impermanence is one of the immutable laws of our universe. And so. Uh, I came up against that in this, uh, well, in the creation of this podcast episode. So, like, it's it's wild. It's wild out here, people. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for being on the show. You, as well, are a very uh, treasured and dear-to-my-heart person. So, yeah, this has been great. Same here. Love you, my friend. Love you, too, <laughs> let's, let's do it again sometime. I'd, I'd really, really enjoy that. Um, uh, are you writing any more books? What are what are what are you up to these days? Oh my gosh! Well, I'll just tell you one thing. So, um, my friends Ellen Sauer and Cheryl Gardner and I are putting together a divine feminine show oh. for oh. the Unitarian Church, mm. um, and the it UDC? goes up in June and July. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so we're excitedly oh, nice. working on that together. Oh, like an art show? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Are they painters as well? Like, what's the medium so going to be? So, they're, yeah, they're... And is that what you're going to do? I mean, yeah, I they're more more than painters. They, they we're, we're, all three of us are creative in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. But you can't, I, the... The listening audience can't see it, but the painting that's right there—it's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. a woven piece, and it it has uh, all three of us in it. So oh, Cheryl cool. Gardner did the poppies, mm. painted those, and did a hundred little 
clay pieces that are attached to that. Wow. And um, Ellen Sauer did the river uh-huh. and the palm tree. Cool. And I did the other, all the Neat. other stuff. Yeah. So like they are like woven They're together? woven. Yeah. Whoa. It's called, the, the piece is called Reweaving the Patriarchal Story of Love. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'm excited about working on that. Wow. So this summer. This summer. The, the Divine Feminine Art Exhibit at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation. Yeah. Wow. June and I'm July. Gonna, June and July. I'm going to check that out for certain. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Very sweet. Yeah, keep all let try get me the information on that when it's coming about or, or, or and I'll uh, talk about it on the show. I'll let Wonderful. people know when it's coming up in the in the intros and outros and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow, very exciting. There's so much like like there's so much cool stuff going on like in such a close proximity. Like, like the physical boundaries are like so unimportant to the enjoyment of my life right now, which is so awesome. Like, I'm so grateful for that. Like, there's so, and, and I just have to like remind myself of that as well. Like, when I, like, yeah, there's so much to be grateful for, and there's a lot of work to do. Um, we ain't got it perfect or got it all figured out, but like the, to, to put energy into the good is the best method I have found to fight the bad. Like, and, and that's just me, like so that's true. My, my hippie dippy pacifist self talking out, but like, it, Yes, I'm a hippy dippy pacifist. <laughs> <laughs> Birds of a feather. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show, Regina. Thanks for having me, Alejandro. Thanks again for being on the show, Regina. That was a really good one. <laughs> so nice. We did it twice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to put that in the final cut of the episode. But according to the statistics, only 33% of listeners are listening through at least 75% of the episode. So if you've made it this far, you're in like the you're in a minority. You've got a halfway decent attention span. So congratulations. You're doing great. <laughs> and, uh, all right. So I'm going to close the uh, out with a song from the debutantes. They just released this album last weekend. It was a week ago today. It dropped. I was at their CD release show at the Clyde theater that night. It was really, really sweet. Had a lot of Fort Wayne weirdos out and doing their thing, making it a real cool time. So this is River on the Moon by the Debutantes. Take care of yourself. See you all soon. <laughs>